0: the toasted craze has gone too far mm-hmm. everybody's doing it
1: i think there's room for one more release with toasted oak in it to come later this <laughs> month maybe early <laughs> <laughs> just say, say in, for in one. In I, the was I think we got one left in us you know that's just me talking you know unbiasedly <laughs> about releases yeah.
2: let's not kill it yet <laughs>
0: everybody, it's episode 319 of Bourbon Pursuit, the podcast featuring news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman, and before we start today's 60th Bourbon Community Roundtable, here's your weekly bourbon news update. Jim Beam is launching a new quarterly membership program called Barreled and Boxed. It starts on August 25th, and Little Book chapters one and five, which I'll talk about here shortly, will be the inaugural products. We're also going to be discussing this here on today's show as well, so stay tuned. But now moving on to bourbon release news. Heaven Hill has announced the 2021 release of the Parker's Heritage Collection. It's one of the brand's most anticipated releases all year, and this time it's an 11-year-old heavy char wheat whiskey. This is the 15th edition of the Parker's Heritage Collection and is comprised of 75 barrels that were charred for 1 minute and 30 seconds, which is considered a level 5, as opposed to the traditional 40-second char, which is a level 3 for Heaven Hill. And the wheat whiskey rested on the 6th floor of Rickhouse Y for 11 years. This utilized Heaven Hill's traditional wheat whiskey mash bill of 51% wheat, 37% corn, and 12% malted barley. This release is only the second time the wheat whiskey mash bill has been featured in the Parker's Heritage Collection, which the first release was back in 2014 as an original batch cask strength. This will be released in September with a retail price of $140. Old Dominic will be releasing a limited edition bottle of Hewling Station straight bourbon whiskey featuring the Memphis Tigers colors of blue and gray on the front and the back labels. Old Dominic is based in Memphis and is an official partner of the Memphis Tigers. It's bottled at 100 proof and is their high rye bourbon that has aged a minimum of four years in a West Tennessee white oak barrel. This mash bill consists of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malted barley. These bottles will start hitting the shelves in mid-August, just in time for the beginning of the 2021 college football season. The bottles will range around $36 in price and will only be sold in the Memphis area retail stores, with a portion of the proceeds going to Memphis Athletics. Maker's Mark is releasing a new series called the DNA Project. With the first release is the Entry Proof Experiment. Back in 2013 they experimented with different entry proofs and their standard is 110 but they also filled barrels at 115 120 and 125 to see how the whiskey changed later this month a limited amount of each whiskey will be made available for purchase at the gift shop over at star hill farms and at select kentucky retailers entry proof bourbons will be sold with its own custom pressed and hand numbered collectible poster from louisville's hound dog press and each of these will highlight experiment notes from each of the Makers Marks teams. So if you collect all four posters, they combine to create a very large display piece. Freddie No from Jim Beam is releasing the fifth chapter in his acclaimed little book whiskey series called The Invitation. This chapter features a wide range of whiskey styles and ages, starting with a two year old Kentucky Straight Bourbon, a three year old malted 100% rye, a five year old Kentucky Straight Bourbon, and a 15 year old. Kentucky bourbon. These will be available nationwide for a price of around $125. Michter's distillery will begin shipping its 2021 release of its toasted barrel finished bourbon in September. This will mark the first release of the whiskey since August of 2018 and it will have a suggested retail price of $100. So I hinted at it earlier and today's roundtable covers three subjects. Which is first is that the new subscription model that's been rolling out And will we see this trend start continuing for most major distilleries? We also discuss five new limited releases that will be starting to hit this fall. And we talk about the rebranding of Dickel, moving from a Tennessee whiskey to a bourbon. With that, enjoy today's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char.
3: I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Todd McCarty. 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 Todd McCarty writes on fredminnick.com, After listening to your review of Detling Bourbon from Alabama and the Bourbon Pursuit episode with Hank Ingram, what effect do various other climates and non-rickhouse storage mechanisms have on their way bourbon ages? Absolutely excellent question, Todd. Todd gets a gold medal from me uh, in a big giant box of nothing for what I think could be one of the best and most important questions I've ever gotten on Above the Char. And what we are looking at here, folks, for the first time in really since pre-Prohibition, we are beginning to see a legitimate environmental impact of various areas. Now, the French would call this terroir, and there is a lot of discussion as to whether or not there is terroir in whiskey, that's, this is not the place for that. Let's just basically focus on heat, freaking hot temperatures. It wasn't too long ago that Detlink shared a temperature reading in their warehouse. It was 144 degrees inside their warehouse. I say again, 144 degrees in their warehouse. And so you know what was happening to that whiskey in that moment? It was getting better. Pummeled inside that barrel. And so it's getting pushed so deep in there that if they don't have a really good, you know, structure, really could fix uh barrels, if their bung is not in that hole really tight, then that thing's gonna pop off. You know, that pressure will completely destroy the barrel, uh, because there is a barometric pressure because alcohol obviously, you know, creates a lot of pressure and heat in those barrels. And I remember when I was in the state of Washington at Westland and their facilities, it was kind of, it was a little, you know, it gets hot in Washington, but nothing like in Kentucky or Alabama. It's kind of like a little bit like Scotland. It's a little bit more kind of temperate, and plus it's always rainy there. So if you take those two extremes that there's a lot of dampness in, in Washington and it's not as hot, and you take that incredibly humid, hot weather in Alabama... Those are two incredible extremes that are going to have an impact on the whiskey. And so I think that the southern states uh, like Texas, uh, Alabama, Georgia, I think that they're going to get, if they don't put them in climate controlled warehouses where they don't allow the um, heat or cold to impact them, uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of new flavors come out from these barrels as as these distillers come more online. I will say the thing that makes Kentucky so special and Tennessee so special is that we also have winters here. Alabama doesn't really have a winter. I mean, I mean, it may snow there. It may have from time to time, but it's not like Kentucky. You know, We have ice storms almost every year. We have snow on the ground every year. You know, so those two extremes make Kentucky so special. Uh, we're in the process of kind of analyzing what these different states bring to uh, aging whiskey. Like Wisconsin, it's cold there. It gets hot, but doesn't get hot like Kentucky or Texas. So we are just in the beginning phases of understanding what all of these various climates will do uh, to, uh, to the whiskey. But I love this question, Todd. I want everyone out there to be like Todd and come up with great questions and go to fredminnick.com and send them to me. If I like them, I will read them on the air and do my best to answer the question. But that's going to do it for this week, folks. Be safe out there. Cheers!
0: You can order online at Sealbox or the thebourbonconcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon. And we are here with the 60th Bourbon Community Roundtable. This is always a fan favorite, a crowd favorite. We get to bring in a lot of the great personalities around bourbon and discuss a potpourri of bourbon topics and bourbon culture. But we got the whole crew tonight. We've got Kenny, Ryan, and Fred here. So, fellas, how's it going?
2: What up?
4: Oh, it's going great, you know. We got I feel like we're on episode BCR1 going into this. <laughs> well, Cuz we're still trying to deal <laughs> with technical difficulties. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Holy <laughs> totally kidding. Sorry Blake, too easy.
1: We took 3 weeks <laughs> off. I mean, come on, give me a break. That's, yeah. <laughs> lots, lots happened since then? It's
3: I'm just happy I showed up, man. You know, I've been home, been away for 4 days and my my boys didn't want me to didn't want me to leave, so it was a it was a rush to get over here. Well, I appreciate it. Cause what you would have been almost missing for a third time on this one. Right. You could probably, I know that's, you know, that's when the call would have came uh, from, from Lauren, you know, and she'd say like, all right, Fred, it's time to buck up. You know, you need to start showing up to these round, <laughs> round tables. So yeah, you're sure. Got to, got to make sure you're here. You got to drop some knowledge bombs no. on everybody, man. That's what
0: you're
4: here for. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're all posers. Fred knows yeah. Everything. Yeah.
3: <laughs> she, we, we fake everything. I don't know. Listen, I I, I got to tell you, Brian. Uh, Brian's getting you know he can hold his own, especially when it comes to legal stuff. I'm more I'm so fascinated with all the legal s- stuff happening in bourbon today, and I know we're going to talk about some of those later on, especially with the subscription model. But you know we we've got one of the greatest brains in 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 Whoa. a particular area of bourbon, so I always tap Man. into that brain. If,
2: that's well, a good Legal good minds intro. of our
1: generation. Yeah. I know. Checks
2: in the mail, guys. It's, wow. it's headed. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Let's go ahead and do some intros
0: real quick. So, Brian, go ahead and do first.
2: Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, number 60. Let's keep rolling this. Uh, Brian was sipping corn. Find me everywhere where you've known to do it before. Sipping corn at bourbonjustice.com.
0: Right on. Embalake
1: yeah always fun to be here um you know I, i'm known as the cow ripkin of the round table because i've never missed one always have to bring some kind of entertainment and uh you know just uh basically the entertainment is frustrating kenny because i can't get a microphone to work for the 60th time you'd think i'd figure it out or have a backup cable but no always fun to be here guys so looking forward to these uh topics i think we've got some pretty exciting ones um and ones that caught a bunch of attention in the last couple of weeks. So happy to be here.
0: Right on. Well, we'll forgive you for the microphone this time. You're just gonna have to, sounds like garbage
4: when everybody else listens <laughs> to it. So I just want one time Blake shows up and they're like be nothing. No yeah, is Not a lot to
1: ask. I mean, that one time we did it live in Kenny's house, I think I had zero issues. So <laughs> other than that.
4: That was it.
0: <laughs>
4: that's All right.
5: Fun. All right, Jordan, you're up, buddy. Sure. This is Jordan from Breaking Bourbon, one of the three guys uh, from BreakingBourbon.com. Check us out for the latest reviews and our updated release calendar, which we'll dive into a little bit later with these limited releases.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. Always, People love the juicy release calendar stuff and trying to figure out what's coming. So that's going to be in the second part of the show here. But tonight, we're going to first kick it off talking about something that's new. that's coming to the bourbon world, and that's kind of everything that's moving to subscription models. So one of the things that we kind of see or we saw last week was Jim beam announced a barreled and box, which is going to be launching August 25th and it's only for 500 members first. And this is going to feature uh, a lot of the stuff in little books. So it's going to be the fifth chapter that they're releasing as well as a rebottling of their 2017 release, which is chapter one and they're doing it $270 plus tax. Now, before this, Makers Mark came out with what's called the whiskey drop, and that was two bottles per person. And it started off with the wood finishing series, then went to the fatty acid ester series. And then they're gonna start releasing their new entry proof expressions. And these all range from 150 to $230. Now, the caveat here is that for right now, that these are only available to residents in Kentucky and Washington, DC. So as we start kind of getting into this, I. I honestly all I think we could probably agree that this is probably a really good move for bourbon. I mean, this is something that we can thank our our lawmakers, the KDA that have kind of really pushed forward in direct to consumer shipping that is starting to open up this new line of revenue for distilleries and giving consumers sort of uh, a way to access stuff that they might have to maybe typically go and search for but i kind of want to open up to some thoughts first on on you know good move bad move anybody on the anti side of this thing
1: yeah i mean is that would be interesting if we actually have somebody on the anti so i'm going to go first because i want to get my answer out there cuz i think most will be in agreement uh, but i think it's a great move you know you you look at wineries that have been able to do this for the longest time and you know build a lot of uh, kind of rapport with their that core base i think it's huge so um yeah, I mean I think it's great that people could do that, they can do special releases. We saw a little bit of where I feel like they tried to do it during COVID last year for some special releases. Um so hopefully this just builds momentum. It is funny that you you know we call, we kind of saw the two of the major players coming out first and doing it. I usually you'd think we'd have like somebody a little bit smaller um trying to do this. And and I know like New Rift does their Rangers and that kind of stuff, but it, it's I think it's great that people with deep pockets came out and said, Here's what we want to do. And obviously they're happy to be in Kentucky and DC, but I guarantee you they're looking at every other major state to see how they can get that push through. So I think it's an, an exciting time for sure. But oh, let's also forget that there's also a seal box
0: subscription. So there is. There you is weren't, the- you weren't you weren't like lagging behind here by any means.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> did Sealbox quarterly a little bit uh, a little while ago, and uh, yeah, so go so go join Sealbox quarterly if you're not in Kentucky or DC.
3: <laughs> it's fascinating they went to DC too, obviously because there they can you know touch every consumer. It just happens to be like oh we're we've got someone that's going to get it there, and oh my goodness, a retailer with a shipping license has the ability to get it everywhere. Whoa! <laughs> oh, oh. Well, here's the here's the truth, and I'm not anti about this. But I mean, we're looking at a, an upgrade in packaging. We're all going to be, anyone who does this is going to spend more. And it, the, the thing about it is great. New stuff going out, different box, you know, and you're not going to have to go to the store. Wonderful. All coming from, it's breaking through the three tier system fantastic where's the where's the value though you know for the consumer what'd you say the 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 price of it is 74 the two little books are going to be 270 plus tax and then the makers range
0: anywhere from 150 to 230 for the package and it comes with two bottles in each
3: so you're telling me that i'm going to be you know, because it comes in these special packages i'm going to be spending um quite a bit more yeah i i'd and I look. I know a little book is is being marketed as a premium, uh, you know. But when it's in the store, it's the price of it significantly less. And I, I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel about it. I don't so, really have an a, much of an opinion on it yet. But I just I it just feels like it just feels like a play to to increase price and profit uh, in a different way, but that's business. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Just, I want to know what the value is to the consumer. That's it. I
5: think there's, so there's Blake mentioned, you know, right. Instantly when I heard about this, I thought, you know, wineries out in California, but I think, you know, the bigger picture too, is all of us, all six of us, you know, you're either living in Kentucky or we're in Kentucky all the time. But for a lot of folks, a lot of friends that, you know, have going down to the bourbon trail, that trip's going to be once in a lifetime, maybe once every five, 10 years. And this is their way for their brands that they love. They're going to go down. Eventually they're going to be able to shop just like they would in winery and, you know, have their bottle shipped back, but then they can stay connected to that distillery. So they go down, they have that experience. They have that great um, tourism experience down at one of the major distilleries and they get to stay connected. So even though they're not able to travel back, they still feel special. So I actually think it's going to be huge for just the tourism industry, um, you know, it's ready full steam ahead, but it's just going to turbocharge it even more once more distilleries start doing this on the bourbon trail and, and off the bourbon trail. I think it's, it's going to be a win for consumers, especially those who aren't able to go down or, you know, have that relationship with the store and get those more hard to find bottles. It'll be a great way for the distilleries to stay in touch and spread bourbon, you know, that bourbon lifestyle outside of Kentucky now, even deeper throughout the U.S. by bringing you know, Bardstown, Louisville, Lexington offering for all those areas and keep them growing outside. I, I think it's actually a huge, super smart move by just all the distilleries in general.
3: You know, Jordan, it's gotta be done right. You know, this is one where the, I, I think it's pushing the envelope a little bit to see how far, you know, how far they can tap into this. And if it sells out, then that's the market telling them that the demand is there and they can keep inching that price up. Uh, but You know, I I just think this is I just think this is a this is definitely a test. And it's it shouldn't be a coincidence that the two brands, the two products we're talking about here are both from Beam Suntory. And, you know, they have been Beam has slowly been uh, catching up to Jack Daniels, knocking on Jack Daniels doors. They're not very far behind in case sales. They're they're inching up closely. Beam Suntory has been doing a lot of a lot of strategic moves outside of uh, the traditional three-tier system. And this is just another one of those efforts. And I mean, from a business perspective, this is awesome. From a consumer perspective, I think
5: it remains to be seen. Well, but even though, so, you know, when you look at the prices though, it's not, and maybe they will, maybe they'll end up jacking it up and, you know, it's going to be super exclusive. It's going to be a huge pay to play. And then, yeah, they're going to screw people over. But even if you look at what Beam's doing with, say, Little Book, you get batch five, which is normally 125 and you're getting a re-release from five years ago that you missed out that sold for a hundred bucks to begin with. So you're paying a little bit of a premium, but they're also shipping it to you and you're getting something that hasn't been on the stores for five years. So it's not, it's not horrible. Now that being said, Fred, if the next box is 300, 400, 500, and they keep pushing the envelope to see how much people will pay. Well, yeah, that sucks. Right. So I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Answer.
3: You know, they're going to bring in a state, <laughs> they're going to bring in a stave from, uh That was blessed with holy water and, or some kind of bullshit for Easter or something and, and sell it for 500 a pop or something. I mean, I just, this has so much potential to be awesome, but I don't, I just, again, remains to be seen. I'll just be
2: on the lookout, probably complaining. I think the one thing that will add value, and, and Four Roses didn't come out and say this in a in a recent survey to Mellow Moments. I don't know if any of you guys took that last week, but to me, it looked like they were going exactly this way. They were wanting to know if the Mellow Moments members wanted to do their own private barrels, and you know what was what did they want? You know, they and you could kind of tell the way the questions were worded. It's it wasn't about swag or events anymore. People want bourbon, and they want it shipped to them. And so I think what you'll see is, is not the just regular stuff coming in, in these shipments, it's going to be something different. So for roses, I think it'll be private barrels and they'll probably start with mellow moments, test it out there, and then hopefully expand that a little bit more if they've got the capacity for it. That's going to be the only issue there.
4: Stickers, stickers or no stickers? Yeah, no, no stickers.
2: There's no stickers. wax.
0: No, Brian, I totally agree. And I kind of want to just touch on the pricing thing a little bit too, because one of the things that we always hear about and always talk about from the distillers is that they cannot compete with the liquor store. So they don't want to undercut the liquor store. And if you go to any distillery, everything is priced well above maybe 15% more than what you can get at the local store because they just want to have something to sell at the gift shop. So I don't feel that these prices are are too outrageous or out of line, uh, especially when you think of just the convenience factor. And that gets you something a little bit different. It's not that they're shipping a regular bottle maker's mark. I mean, it's their special things. Like they're trying to make something that's feeling a little exclusive. Now, you can't make it totally exclusive because the law in Kentucky prohibits you from doing that because it has to go out to distribution and it has to go to a few different stores. So you can't get around that. However, I feel that they are trying to put something out to the consumer to try to do this now. I also want to take into consideration here that's only what one and a half states is D- Is DC considered a state? So, federated city. Federated city. So, <laughs> it's we'll say it's one and a half. Now, I look at this as a proof of concept. And you take this and you say, okay, if this gets a little bit of legs, like it doesn't have to sell out. It has to just do enough to be able to do a few things. Like, one, prove that there is consumer demand. It doesn't have to be large because we know in Kentucky that. We can find a lot of the stuff if we want to look for it. However, there's probably some people out there that don't care to look for it or they live in remote areas and so on and so forth. Uh, and two is you got to have the backend operations to be able to support this. That's everything from marketing to logistics and shipping and and everything else that's going to deal with the headaches in between. So if you look at this as a slow rollout, I think it's a, it's a pretty cool thing that they'll be able to do. And if you start opening those to 9, 10, 20, 30 odd states once legislation starts picking up and kind of getting carried around you've got a massive model on your hands to be able and this is i think a very very key point is that it stays in the hands of the distillery you know it still tastes it still goes but it might still ha- ch- change hands to the three-tier system might have to touch something or you just have to pay a fee you pay your whatever taxes to it but the Dollars stay in the hands of the distillery. You don't have to worry about Little Book Chapter 5 going to another retailer in New York City that's just going to jack it up to $400. I think that's a real big win for the consumer.
5: Well, you know, the other big win too is you don't have to worry about it being fake. There's no doubts about where it's coming from. You know, it's genuine, it's legit. Super limited edition bottle. Yep, straight from the source. There's no doubt whatsoever.
3: No one's faking Little Book.
5: So, I mean, You know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, eventually there will be tiers, right? There'll there'll be be levels that distilleries do. and, And the most exclusive ones will be very expensive, I'm sure. And they'll have exclusive invites to the distillery, just like a wine club or anything like that. And, you know, there will be some really limited edition stuff put out there. And maybe it's just for the club itself that won't even hit the market.
3: All of this is an effort for, for bourbon to get equal treatment as wine. And, it, and this has been a battle in the spirits industry, you know, since before Prohibition. And lawmakers do not look at, uh, you know, spirits as equally. And the, the liquor stores treat the distillers very differently than they do. They treat just, you know, the distilling community and the distribution game much differently than they do beer and, uh, and wine. It's a very different world. And if this if this can work out, then then let's, you know, make it make it special. But, you know, to your point earlier, Kenny, about, you know, not trying to compete with liquor stores, I I think we got to really kind of point out that that's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, the distillers, I I think, secretly do not want the three tier system to continue as is. They don't come out and say that, you know, the, the the lobbies don't do it but all their actions show it. And when in Kentucky, they were talking about, you know, putting, um, having tasting rooms uh, when they were lobbying for that. And between 2008 and 2012, they would campaign and say, we're not trying to have bars. You know, we're not trying to compete with bars. Well, when in fact now they all have bars. So right now they say that they don't want to compete with retailers. They don't want to be in a pricing game with the retailers, but at the end of the day, these efforts do and these efforts do put the retail game as it is in the crosshairs and it's not we, good or bad. That is what is happening. And nobody in the distilling community is saying like, yeah, actually our plan is to uh, cut out, um, you know, cut out retailers because like Jordan said, that money's all coming to us and not, or was it Blake who said that the money's going all to the distillers and not to the retailers. So, this is a long game, and it, uh, Suntory is a long game player, and there's, uh, it's not a coincidence that they are the
4: ones on this. I don't think they're competing. I mean, they're not really competing with the retailer because they still need them. The, there's no way they can to push all their everyday products. You know, a distillery is not going to want to be able to do that. Liquor Barn doesn't want to just
3: push, you know, beam white you know they they would love to have that you know kind of program you know through their retail system and that's probably what you're going to see you're going to probably see retailers you know causing a stink like hey i'm i'm cutting back on carrying this because you're doing all these other special things and and four roses gave us an extra barrel i mean this is we're looking at something that's going to have a lot of backdoor jockeying and meeting some phone calls that will never be public but i can guarantee you that people are not happy on the retail side
4: I don't know. I, the more I get into this whiskey business, the more I, I think volume is what matters. The everyday brands, what sells, the, the premium stuff, yes, is nice, but it's a very, very minute share of the overall uh, business model of distilleries. And so, I yes, I agree, but I, I, think, I think this is more just, it's like the wineries. They're just trying to like take advantage of people coming in. Like I'm the dumbass who goes to California and I'm like, Ooh, I listened to a guitar player and had meat and cheese. I'm going to subscribe to your wine. And then next thing I know I'm getting packages for a year cause I forgot to cancel it. And it's, you know, it's, it, but they're, they're special bottles. And, uh, I don't know. I think it, I think it makes sense for special releases to do this. Um, now if they were like sign up for Booker's Bakers and Knob Creek, you know, then that's kind of lame, but, uh, I don't know. I, uh, you're probably you're probably right, Fred. I'm wrong. I'm just thinking, trying to come up with someone else to say.
3: I mean, really, I, I go back to this again, but it's like a wait and see. But this is the beginning of of this is the beginning of something. It, this is a trend that if if we see four roses go down this road, if we see um, someone like Mictors, which is branding itself Uber Premium, then you know we could see like we could see like a major tide. Uh, And it it will be a a victory for the distillers and definitely a defeat for for the retailers.
4: Well, you got to remember, too, that all these people are quadrupling five times their production. And they're trying to create models that in the next, you know, five to 10 years to be able to support all that shit they're putting down right now. Not shit, but, you know, all the whiskey they're putting down.
1: (laughs) I think it catches everyone up on, like, where our economy is today. I mean, everything... a a lot of what we buy is direct and a lot of what we buy is online, but yet, you know, it's weird for a distillery whenever they're like, okay, I I need to reach my customers. Well, my customer is actually the distributor who buys for me. Then they sell it to the retailer. Then they sell it to another person who maybe, I guess I got to touch that guy and like make a relationship with him. Make sure he, um, make sure he wants to buy next time. So, I think it just helps them build this relationship with their customers, and and build that base. You know, we'll see a lot more thousand bottle releases where if they, you know, if Beam tried to do a thousand bottle release, it'd be a nightmare because they'd have every state and distributor across across the country wondering where their bottles are, and most of them would probably never hit the shelf. So this is a way for them to get them in the hands of their most diehard customers and. To me, it's effective, and it's kind of where we are today. So I see it as a win. Still, um, it'll have its hiccups, no doubt, and it'll change things up.
4: But I think those changes will be good ultimately. I'm just surprised they're doing a pilot in Kentucky. I get it because it's here, but it's like, as a Kentucky consumer, I have zero interest in this. But you know, but if I was out of state, I mean, I'd be all for this. Um, but but I get it. It's in their backyard; they can figure out. But it seems like they would pick a state
2: that's not here. I don't know. Well, they've got it. They've got to start here, I think as a trial run. And then what they're, I think going to try to push on it is right now we only have like six or seven States or something that, that Kentucky can ship to the direct to consumer. So I think it, part of it might be to try to drive that demand and get the other States on board with Kentucky. I mean, if they see a, a, you know, back to a thousand bottle release from beam, what if it's a 12 year old crow bottled in bond? I mean, everyone's going to clamor for that. And you're
1: going right, to have I'm people back in. Back in. Yeah, back in. Exactly. Back in. <laughs> Everything just changed Change my
5: mind. <laughs> yes. Um, the program. So, you know, I just remember there's there's a distillery um, and they're, they're big in Pennsylvania. They do a lot in D.C. in the northeast. Wiggle Whiskey. They're here in Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they've had and I, I'm not sure why I didn't think about this before. They've had a whiskey club because you can ship inside of PA if you're a distiller to PA residents. And they've had their own whiskey club now for a number of years. And you sign up on a quarterly basis, and you can do it for as long as you want. They ship you one bottle every month, right, 375 milliliter. And it's aimed at, like, their most diehard people. They don't cap it, but they do allow folks to join, and their whole point is to try and connect with the consumer. And that's been working quite well for them, I think. So this is the first we're seeing on a large scale, but I totally, you know, blanked my mind that we've seen this before from more craft distillers. Um, And I bet there's more out there that do this and ship interstate than we realize in in other locations.
4: Hey, Fred, at the Discus meeting last year in 20, Beam Centauri hired a lobbyist, to, and he was up there talking. And uh, gosh, what was his name? And this is what he talked about and how they were, Beam Suntory is really pushing the envelope on the three-tier system. And now it's all, like, coming to fruition. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is an impressive move by them, and I'm glad. I think this will be a win-win in the long run for sure.
3: But I, I can definitely say, and, you know, Brian, you can speak to this better than anybody, but – Sazerac will probably push against it
0: let <laughs> see that's, that's I find that so I find that so weird like if, yeah. if this turns out to be a super successful model I understand that you've got to do something to dangle a carrot in front of a distributor in front of a retailer to push your other stuff but like think about like how much they can control all the nonsense and like the bullshit that they deal with with Pappy and BTAC if they're the ones who become the retailer they become the gatekeeper for all of it there's no fakes there's uh it, you know you get to get it in front of the consumer that you want it's priced at msrp you don't have to deal with basically 99 percent of the retailers in the country that ch- that up charge on it but they Kenny, skate but bus. yeah they don't have a, a bus. when
1: people don't get it yeah
2: yeah, yeah. and yeah. also gone.
3: what was the word that cecil used to describe what the game is all about volume Volume mm-hmm. and when you have little carrots that you can dangle for volume, they're going to do it. The fact is, you know, th- that is the model that Sazerac has, they use that to drive volume of of uh, Wheatley Vodka, Fireball, and other products.
4: Hey, I was just in an event this weekend and I saw probably 20 bottles of Fireball c- consumed in two nights in a golf course on a golf master, uh, member guest i I've, I've never seen so much fireball drink in my life. I'm like oh runners,
3: <laughs> runners will drink it like every quarter mile mile. It's like it's it's like it's in these little cults like that, like golf and 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 running. But it's a it is a everyone has their model and and uh, Sazerac has a very old school approach, and you know it's effective for them. But nobody nobody touch nobody plays the limited edition game like like Sazerac, and this could very well be. You know, Beam Suntory's beginning of a limited edition play that could rival what we consider, you know, be the annual releases of b and uh, and Pappy. And so now, instead of uh, you know counterfeit, you know, we'll be talking about uh, somebody st- you know walking up on your doorstep and stealing your box. So let's not get in that argument. That's. That's that's
0: taking
5: a different direction because I'm I'm (laughs) pro DTC here, so that's what I want to see happen. (laughs) I think it'll be interesting to see what Heaven Hill does. I think you know if they embrace this quick, you're going to see two of the largest you know distillers out there pushing this. Everyone's going to fall in line real quick. Maybe not Sazerac, but everyone else will. So I think that's going to be really key: is how quickly does Heaven Hill get involved?
3: Well, interestingly, they've invested so much money in their visitor center programs that you know I I I think they're trying to get butts and seats in there um so we'll see we'll see so It'll be remember those
5: butts and seats a lot of those folks only can come once right once every five years or, or just once yeah so how do you stay connected yeah and
0: i really like ryan's ryan's take earlier of, of being able to say that you've got to figure out a business model on how you can expand here in the next five years when you know everybody's putting down a thousand to twelve hundred fifteen hundred barrels a day y'all we'll be sitting on a bunch of bourbon here soon and that is that is just one extra way to be able to you know start you know paying for all this stuff down the line
2: get it out move it out
0: for sure all right well let's uh that's a good little topic there guys i like that run there so next let's kind of talk about some limited releases that are be coming up in the fall season and kind of just give our our thoughts on it i'm gonna kind of turn it over to here to jordan the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com. That's P L U S dot com. And use code Pursuit at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Next, let's kind of talk about some limited releases that are be coming up in the fall season and kind of just give our, our thoughts on it. I'm gonna Gonna turn it over to here to Jordan. He's gonna he's gonna take the uh, take the helm here for a minute.
5: <laughs> so some of these are probably gonna make people roll their eyes, right? I, and don't worry, I'm not gonna talk about BTAC because you know everyone has their own opinion on that. But I think the five when I think about the five that we're most excited about that's coming up. So in, in no random order, and, and others probably have tasted this too. But this year's you know we got an early taste. We did a review. It's out there. This year's Old Forester birthday bourbon. So it's always, it's always good. Usually this year is really damn good. And I think a lot of people are gonna, you know, be really pissed that it's probably even harder to find than normal. And it's a shame people are getting this year's bottle and not opening it or not doing themselves justice. It is damn good.
0: Well, uh, you kind of stole some thunder from us. So it, it, this will be coming out on Thursday, but anybody that's watching this live, we actually have our whiskey quickie coming out tomorrow on, on our old Forester to birthday bourbon, but, we 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 only, we gave it two thumbs up we only gave it two thumbs up and i think that it might have been it was really weird for us it was like the sample bottle had a different proof on it than the actual press release so we're just assuming that the sample bottle they never updated it for the label change and they just because it was the same exact proof as last year's um i thought it was good i i think that i don't think it compares to to last year's if i recall or was it the year before then that was like year superb before.
4: Last yeah year, year before average yeah the year, the year before, before then really good
0: blake brian or fred i mean do y'all have any kind of thoughts on this year's birthday bourbon if you're looking forward to it if uh if it's something that you're you're kind of over with
1: i haven't had it this year um i don't get those samples but um you know i think old forester for all enthusiasts has come on real strong in the last couple of years so that's actually when i will chase after a little bit you know i'll put in the, the small amount of effort that I do these days. So um, no, I'm excited for that one. I I think ever since Jackie Zakian took over, those limited releases and kind of uh, exclusive releases have definitely improved drastically. So 2013 is still the best in my opinion, but I'll stand by that fact for quite some time.
2: I'm, I'm sort of the same boat. I haven't had it yet. Uh, I, I will softly look for it. And I'm just such a big fan of what they've been putting out lately. I mean, it's just been if you're looking for something that is kind of a turnaround in my perception anyhow it's it used to be louisville's house bourbon rail bourbon and it's just some really damn fine private selections and they're uh you know the 1920 in particular i mean just all good
0: yeah i mean i think jackie's been kind of giving a good facelift to old Forester here in the past what two three years in regards of, you know, putting the old Forster Rye out there. And then she's had the 117 series that are now adorning her name. And so she's really trying to elevate what they're doing behind there. So it's, it's really good to kind of see that too.
4: Return of the president's choice. And then, you know, the barrel proof single barrel selections, she's uh, knocked it out of the park. I mean, what else could you possibly do at this point? I know. Yeah. Well, how could they top what they're doing? I heard they're doing a Fred Minnick release, but that was just uh... a
2: little ascots on the bottles.
3: Mm, no
4: that
2: <laughs> only in the subscriptions talk about a neck tag i mean i never thought about that oh, Ascot better. neck tag
3: well i'll just say that you know it'd probably uh detract uh people from buying it you know no one no one buys ascots except me. <laughs> you, no. you corner the market on it yeah Jordan look said, oh, i know I, toasted. I know everyone <laughs> is uh who you know really excited about Everything, uh, old Forrester and the birthday bourbon is typically a good release. Um, I mean, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, 117 was nice, but you know, I mean, I've had I've been disappointed by a lot of things from there, uh, lately. So, I mean, we'll see. And uh, and you know, I respect Jordan's and Breaking's, uh, palettes, and of course, you and you and Ryan Kinney, but uh, I'm 50 50 with birthday bourbon, you know, just even when I was at, you know, Whiskey Advocate, it was not. It was not always like the, you know, the winner for me. Is it typically because it's not like a, a very high proof? Or like, what's your what's your whole, what's your hang up on it a lot? Uh, I have. T- I, I tend to find that uh, a lot of the old Forrester products uh, are not balanced. Um, they tend to have a that banana note can be very powerful, and they can kind of come in underneath some with some astringency. Um, and then it and then there's like muted often you know muted notes uh of 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 sweetness but you know why 1920 is so great is that everything is balanced and old forester is a product that gets out of balance very quickly for me and i I, that's just that's best the best way i can put it and old forester 1920 is always always balanced and just fantastic and i mean it's a house pour and you know, we love that. we love that product. And you know we probably my wife drinks so much nineteen twenty especially when I'm out of town. <laughs> spoken like a true
0: pro. All right, Jordan, what do you got next for us?
5: So the uh, we're going with a um, brown Foreman theme here a little bit, but the Jack Daniels single barrel special release. So this will be year number four, right? The first two years kind of flew under the radar. Last year was actually pretty hard to find. They've been really unique. I think it really showcases uh, some of the distilling prowess that they have over at Jack Daniels. And um, they've been some of the most interesting pours and and pleasantly surprising pours we've had over the last few years. So I'm excited to see what they announce this year and and more so to try it, too. It's typically never
0: been one that's
4: on my radar. It should be. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Jack Daniels single barrels and their rye. My gosh, that's some of the best rye whiskey, I think, out there. That stuff's great.
1: Yeah, I think, Fred, you and I had this conversation about, you know, if it Mm -hmm. weren't for the preconceptions of Jack Daniels, their stuff would just be crushing it right now. Some of these single barrels are so good, and especially the rye. So
2: um,
1: uh, that's another one that is really good, and I think people should give it a try. You know, it's not just Jack and Coke anymore. They're making some really good whiskey.
3: Yeah. By the way, be on the lookout for a Fred Minnick seal box. Uh, Jack Daniels pick. By the way, that was my uh, softball toss up there.
4: It's <laughs> <laughs>
3: perfectly balanced. It's pre- uh, <laughs> I, I also I also did a pick for Louder Than Life, and uh, you know I mean they they're the best thing about Jack Daniels barrel picks is you can get on the list pretty quickly, and you can get the you can get it pretty quickly. You know, so they're like, yeah, we got a lot of barrels here, so. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting what, what they, what they have in terms of the barrel. And, uh, I've always thought that Jack Daniels is probably the hardest product to produce consistently at that volume. And so when you, when you get tap one of their honey barrels, it's always really good. And uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, anything, anytime they put an effort into it and they keep it at barrel proof or above a hundred proof, it's usually money. Right on. So, Jordan, what's up
5: next? All right. So we're going to keep it going here. So I think another one that we're intrigued by, and I know this is probably eye roll worthy because it seems to be the theme of 2021, but it's Wild Turkey Master Keep Toasted Oak. So, right, the toasted oak seems to be all the buzzwords nowadays. Everyone and the brothers coming out with it. But the Wild Turkey Master Keep series, it's been either hit or miss. Right. And we're we're hoping for a hit here, but it's it's always intriguing and it's always nice to see when wild turkey really knocks out of the park. It's pretty damn good. So I think we're just intrigued by that. I know I'm definitely looking forward to tasting it and seeing what it's like and seeing how it compares. Um toast or not, you know. All
3: right. So I'm gonna be the curmudgeon here. I I, I hate to do it, but um the curmudgeon is coming out of me. I mean, wild turkey is so great, 13-year-old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old. What, do they got to go through the toasting process? Just give me the bourbon, man. Just give me the bourbon.
0: I can't agree more. The toasted yeah. craze has gone too far. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing it.
1: I think there's room for one more release with toasted oak in it to come later this month. Maybe early next. <laughs> just same, same for one. I, was I think we got one left in us. You know, that's just me talking, you know, unbiasedly about releases. Yeah, let's not kill it yet.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's true, like like toast. But it's true.
0: Like who who I think it's it's just one of those things that I don't know if Like has has everybody lost the idea of innovation or like Michter's just did it so well the first time that everybody's like, fuck it. Let's just jump on, you know, jump on board because it seems to work and it gets some buzzwords out. It
1: is so So, funny though, because you think Michter's did that, like what, 2014, 2015. Let's
3: be very fair about this. Let's be very fair about this. The first to do it. And by the way, what we are talking about here. So they're taking uh, the bourbon from the existing barrel, and they're putting it into a specially prepped uh, barrel where they did a light toast to it. Of course, toast is when the flame is lighter and it just kind of like a big lighter versus like char. So they kind of treat it differently. They may still char it, but Woodford reserve with double Oak was the first to do this. So they were the first to actually pull this off. Now their branding was uh double Oak. And actually before that it was Pritchard's with double barrel and, some legal stuff with that one but but like he got uh but Woodford was the first and then Michter's came out very closely after uh they branded it differently and the flavor profiles were kind of similar kind of similar but you know but the gra- the gradual ones Woodford R- Woodford double oak has basically stayed pretty close to the same Michter's is different every time and and to me it's like I don't know how many people have done a better job than Michter's with that particular process and, and keeping it consistently different. It, I mean,
4: Hey, I'm I, a fan of toasted. I like it. It's great. I love that stuff. That's
0: Can you even call yourself is. a distillery if you don't have a toasted offering yet? Buffalo trace would say, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they would <claim> that, although, <laughs> how, Yeah. How has there not been an experimental collection that's And maybe there has, but they had an infrared barrel stave, but they don't have a toasted.
3: Yeah, they, um, they, they had a few uh, here. But I
1: mean, toasting is a pretty common thing. You know, I know a lot of distilleries, they'll get their barrels toasted and charred, um, or they'll just toast the heads and then char the barrels. But, you know, marketing gets a hold of everything. And so I do think it adds flavors, um, whether you like those flavors or not, that's up to you. But um yeah i think it's a good marketing tactic it it explains more of the process and you know brings out some of the wood sugars so why shouldn't wild turkey jump in on that
2: now and there's room for one more but what was the
1: age <laughs> statement on the wild turkey though
0: jordan what is it it's a little not bit higher age-dated.
1: it's not age-dated
0: no. i could have sworn that they said something about taking uh like jimmy's love for eight to nine year and and or sorry yeah and then eddie's love for like 13 to 14 and kind of blending it together or something like that. But maybe, maybe it's just, my mind's gone a little crazy. It happens.
4: You dreamed dream it up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, well, let's just call it. I mean, there's gotta be an EH Taylor toasted barrel coming at some point. Like that is their oh, experimentation yeah. line. It it has to happen. I'll, I'll go yeah. ahead and just, I'll put my money on it now.
3: Hey man, if it's as good as cured oak, I'm in. Yeah,
0: that's true.
4: Isn't that a toasted barrel or no? No, cured that's, no, it's, it's just
0: the cured. It was cured like 98, you know, years outside or something like that. It was something whatever it was.
5: All right, Jordan, what else you got here? All right. So these are two that might not be on a lot of people's lists, but they're usually ones that we look forward to. Um, So number four is the Yellowstone 2021 limited edition bourbon. It's going to be a blend of seven and 15 year old bourbons finished in Armand casks, Armand casks. Um, You know, Yellowstone, they're, they're limited releases every year. They try something different for a while. They're using, barrels and all sorts of ways to do stuff. They're, they're different. They're funky unique. Um, they're usually pretty good. Sometimes they have some misses, but I think it's one that people actually can probably get. And it's a little bit easier to get than not. Um, and it's a good fall limited edition release. That's, that's usually pretty tasty and, uh, it it makes you work towards tasting it. So that's definitely, that's definitely on our list.
4: They could get it easily until now. Well, breaking bourbon effect. Go go, go buy it while you can. I'm assuming these are probably Heaven Hill barrels. And then it's a, a, what'd you say? What type of finish? So this is uh, um, a. It's a type of wine finish, if I correctly, yes.
1: It's going to be MGP at those ages, right? Seven
5: and 15 year old barrels. Yeah, but
4: they've been been getting Heaven Hill barrels for a long time.
2: Yeah, Yeah, they've been getting it. They might be able to get that old. But yeah, now you got to start wondering if it's going to be Indiana in there. Well,
4: that's true because it's luxro mgp now or whatever mgp luxro that's one way to make the uh, the new merger start working in your in your favor
0: there and yellowstone's been great i think you know we there we picked a barrel out of there and we got to try some of their old limited releases and i couldn't have said that it was bad i mean i thought it was fantastic so
5: the number five is um maybe this will be a surprise maybe not a surprise but the barrel craft spirit line so I think what the guys over at Barrel, you know, Barrel Bourbon, Barrelcraft Spirits do with their special yearly Barrelcraft Spirit releases, and they're they're most likely gonna have more than one this year. It's it's good. It's expensive, right? I'll be the first to say it's really expensive. It's two fifty usually or more, but it's damn good. And they they do a magical job. And um, I'm looking forward to. It. I look forward to it every year just because it's good. I don't you know I'll say good a million times. So if you haven't had a chance to try it, you know, seek it out you can get a pour even better for yourself because it's an expensive bottle but boy is it usually a home run
0: yep i mean i know fred picked it as one of its favorites what a few years ago and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i've tried it fantastic i tell you what i know everybody's been talking about seagrass a lot lately too and i haven't had a chance to try it but i've heard it's pretty amazing as
1: well Ooh, it's good Mm -hmm. i was drinking some seagrass just a few minutes ago that one was fantastic and it's one that's pretty readily available you know i've seen it on quite a few shelves so Um, I love what the barrel guys are doing.
4: Yeah, have I not had seagrass? I needed to get that that and how the hell was pursuit united not on the list god damn it
2: jordan wow, well, it was, it was, it's already released i was <laughs>
5: picking out stuff and uh steel box you know, i was picking out stuff Steelbox that hasn't been, been released yet. we're so. all
2: we're all sending each other checks from this episode you needed to
5: put them on the list well, plus somebody's you know if somebody wants to send us a bottle to review the new pursuit united i'm just saying still waiting for that sample oh my oh. god i i had to i have to buy mine dude like I'm, you know, coffee. I'm a part of the podcast
3: with them, and I have to go all the way to Atlanta to buy a bottle. I mean, it, how do you think I feel?
0: It comes out of your check at the end of the month. That's minute. why we yeah.
3: gave
4: you a bottle. You just drank it pretty fast, Fred. Right?
3: <laughs> that's actually a true statement. That is true statement.
0: <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up with one quick one here, and that's talking about Dickel releasing a quote unquote bourbon. Now, this is kind of unique because. They are always known for Tennessee whiskey. Jack Daniels is for Tennessee whiskey, but there's this big other grill in the room is known as George Dickel. And they always release Tennessee whiskey. However, they came out with a new product that's an eight year and it says bourbon underneath of it. Now for anybody that doesn't or tries to fight this, I don't care what you say. Tennessee whiskey is bourbon. They just want to call it something differently. It goes through all the same exact processes. So what makes this one different is that it is actually it's not different. It's an eight year same exact mash bill. 84% corn, 8% rye, 8% malted barley, 90 proof, $33. The only difference is is that they said uh, their master distiller went through and tasted barrels. Nicole Austin went through and tasted barrels that would fit more of a bourbon profile talk about the marketing.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think it's great because now there's like an exact reference people can use whenever it's, well, Jack Daniels isn't bourbon. Um, I actually got a call from one of my favorite retailers down here in Jacksonville. And he's like, so explain this to me. I'm sitting here with the Dickel reps and they said they're releasing a bourbon. Is that right? And I'm like, yeah, the whole time, like you've never seen the the, uh, arguments on bourbon or facebook group about whether jack daniels is bourbon or not and so it is bourbon so i think it's kind of cool that they're embracing that i mean they're gonna i think they'll get a lot of attention uh just because they are calling it bourbon and not tennessee whiskey um so i think it'll be cool i'm I'm excited i've I've liked a lot of stuff from that from Dickel recently so i'll definitely grab a bottle if i see it do you all think this is like a a way to start repositioning
0: yourself in the market because we all know that bourbon's the hot word right now. It's the hot word. Now, maybe in five or six years, Tennessee whiskey's the hot word again, and they'll just say, God, oh, we'll just go ahead and change our label. Yeah.
1: Like, is I, is it a is it a marketing positioning thing? Yeah. I, I heard I'm, it was I'm their worried. way to get on the round table. They wanted to be a round table with discussion points. So this was the uh that was yeah, the route. But,
4: man, alive. Brilliant. Nobody deserves a bonus for Christmas over there. Yeah, I am really? surprised they're coming out with the bourbon label because it does seem like Tennessee now is starting to embrace Tennessee whiskey. You got the government really helping like fu- fund that. Like, yeah, they legitimately
3: they, they defined it in the state. The federal government won't define it, but yet it, in every free trade agreement, um, Tennessee whiskey is defined as a straight bourbon that has to go through the... Made in Tennessee and g- goes through the charcoal mellowing process. And Tennessee just... I mean, this is a Diageo ploy. All it is is a Diageo ploy to, you know, lob some mortars over at Jack Daniels who will tell you on the tour that it is bourbon, but they call it Tennessee whiskey. They will tell you that they don't hide it. They're, you know, the back and forth and the fans and the groups. That is what it is. And this is, This is at the end of the day. It's all kind of silly. And is the whiskey good? I I didn't like this stuff. I thought this stuff was really meh. You know, I mean, I mean, I'd be buying, I'd be buying a couple other Dickel products over this one every day of the week. So (laughs) Tabasco.
5: You know, I I, I don't think I still don't think I've tasted that
2: one. Don't don't.
5: it's, It's not. It's it's interesting. It's not like spit it out though. I mean, but it's definitely interesting
0: yeah i mean I, I did i did watch a review from matt from over at adhd whiskey and he said that it tasted just like any other george Dickel. so not to think that you're going to try and be like this is completely different it might at least from his opinion it was pretty much spot on with what you
1: expect
3: i mean you, you know it's from Dickel. Mm-hmm. yeah
5: says it on the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, middle sure. there's what's, truth in marketing right there what's interesting is that they're finally deciding to play i, I mean everyone well Anyone who really knows whiskey, right? Sure, it's a bourbon. But I think what's interesting is they kind of get to play both sides of the fence, right? So, oh, we get to sell a Tennessee whiskey and we get to sell a bourbon. If the consumers don't know better, great. We can play both sides of the fence. But a distiller in Kentucky, well, they can't sell you a Tennessee whiskey. They can only sell you bourbon, right? So they're kind of, it's, it's not a bad move. I mean, most consumers aren't as educated um, until they go to breaking bourbon. Up until that point, they're, they're kind of confused. So, you know, it's, um, it's smart.
1: Are they pre-breaking bourbon in their journey or post? That's, they're pre-breaking bourbon. Once yeah, they're standing,
5: that's... once they're standing that liquor aisle, and they go to the site, you know, they walk away a little bit more enlightened.
0: Right on. And speaking of enlightened, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up because this was fantastic, and give you all a chance to kind of plug everybody where you blog and where you can find and buy bottles from you, or whatever you, whatever it is that we're all doing nowadays. We've all kind of progressed into a lot of different things, so it's fun to see everybody's journey that's been happening here. So, of course, you all know kenny ryan and fred as part of bourbon pursuit but brian you're first on the screen so i'm gonna let you kind of go ahead first
2: sure thanks for having me on again guys uh brian with sipping corn bourbonjustice.com find me on the socials online all those places uh, it's, it's been a fun one and i'll uh I'll, I'll fight people too on the tennessee whiskey bourbon thing it's it's a fun fun discussion after you've had a few at least
0: like <clears throat> how many
1: times has it come up on the on the bourboner forums just a couple,
0: you know, maybe
2: maybe <laughs> once or twice.
1: We actually haven't had it in a while. I think um yeah, we're overdue Cow- for one. Yeah, Chuck Cowdery did a good article, and then you know, once that just got reposted a thousand times, people were like, "Ah, we can give it up." But no, good, uh, good dis- discussion tonight, guys. So thanks for having me. I'm Blake from Bourboner and Sealbox.com. You can find all your craft spirits or your bourbon news. Well, not really bourbon news because not a whole lot going on on Sealbox other than instagram and that kind of stuff but always fun to be here so
5: guys thanks for uh, having us and uh, look forward to the next one
0: for sure and jordan
5: awesome uh this is jordan from breaking bourbon one three guys dot hit us up for all of our recent reviews news and i'll give a humble brag and say we actually just became last week the largest whiskey website in the world so we're wow. pretty excited uh, and this is definitely due to the five of you too so thank you for all your support along the way
4: Woo! Congratulations! That's awesome to hear.
5: We can't take That's credit. Awesome.
4: <laughs> we take zero credit. We, we, I don't do any reviews or writing for you. <laughs> You'll do a great job. You
0: deserve it. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Make sure you follow those guys. Follow Bourbon Pursuit wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, you name it. And make sure you leave us a review. Tell a friend as well. If you like this podcast, you like to hear stuff about whiskey, tell a friend. That's the best way to make sure that They understand the good word of bourbon as well. But with that, cheers, everybody, and we'll see you all next week.